Welcome to the Money Advantage Podcast, empowering business owners with the permission to think differently about money so that you can consciously choose to live a meaningful and fulfilled life now. Our passion is making money simple, fun, and doable, helping you feel great about your money and getting your money working for you so you can thrive. Good morning, and welcome back to the Money Advantage Podcast. I'm your host, uh, Bruce Wainer. Rachel is still out on maternity leave. We wish her and her family uh, a lot of well wishes and positive thoughts as they uh, take the next journey into their development of their family. And she's also uh, continued to develop her legacy program at the same time. And now that she has even more children and more legacy, uh, she's focusing on that. Cole's with me again this week, and he's going to provide valuable insight to client meetings and. I appreciate uh, his his uh, point of view from somebody that is uh, hasn't been in the field as long, but also from a person who is on the cutting edge of social media and how that works and how cryptocurrency and the thoughts behind that. Because a lot of times when we're talking about whole life and we're going and today's uh, today's title is how to apply for whole life, and I know we did a a similar show about this. Uh, not too long ago, but I wanted to do a, a, another show on this because the number one thing that is a problem is inaction. And I think one of the things is from inaction is people are like, well, maybe I should put my money somewhere else. And one of the things we hear is maybe a store of value such as gold or what people consider cryptocurrency to be. And they're like, well, the the dollar is going to devalue, so maybe I should get in the cryptocurrency or maybe I should get in the gold or silver because whole life insurance is still cash, and that cash is going to devalue when I want it from the life insurance company. All valid points. However, the thing that people don't realize is as you devalue currency, uh, interest rates tend to go up. And when interest rates tend to go up, then dividends follow. Historically, they've, they've always followed. And it makes sense because, as we pointed out many times on this program, is that uh, the main driver of the returns of investment for life insurance companies are bonds. And I w- I'd like to just point this out real quickly before we go into other aspects of what we're going to talk about today is that uh, the 10-year treasury just went over 4% uh, last week. And what's interesting about it is uh, when I went back to look at the historical, the last time it was above 4% was uh, 2007 when it was 4.19%. And why that is significant is we then had our mortgage crisis at that time. And so that's when we started to the Federal Reserve decided to try to help the mortgage crisis, which um, people could argue that they did help the mortgage crisis at that time. They drove down interest rates. However, now we're feeling the effects of that interest rate being driven down in our economy through massive inflation because they increased the money supply by doing that. And there's a lot of other things that are hurting in our uh, society right now, mainly the lack of movement in the real estate market, 
due to the fact that uh, people that own a home and have a really small interest rate do not necessarily want to, to, to downsize or move up in the home because now interest rates on those 30-year mortgages or 15-year mortgages have more than doubled. So it's an interesting thing. And that, and that, and that actually is going to help the actual building of new homes. Um, my point of, t- of talking about all this is that the Federal Reserve, when they artificially manipulate interest rates, it has a rippling effect throughout the entire economy. That it can have a short-term uh, benefit, but the short-term benefit actually causes long-term problems that must be overtaken. Of course, what did the Federal Reserve do? They say, well, we'll just manipulate interest rates again. Uh, they were supposed to be the, the bank of last resort. Um, that was supposed to be their mission. The, the, the interest rates were supposed to be set by the free market. And yes, during, in that situation, there's going to be some consternation. Uh, some people are going to lose. Some people are going to win. But overall, um, the Austrians, which, are, which really like sound money, uh, sound money being not a manipulative money, not increasing the money su- supply or decreasing the money supply like the Federal Reserve does, uh, they are also into becoming your own bank because becoming your own bank means you take the banking function into your own life. So the title of today's talk is how to apply for whole life. It really should be maybe, as I was thinking about last night, apply for whole life. <laughs> okay, so you need to take action. So Cole, as we, you've sat in on hundreds of meetings now over the last three years, what would you say are some of the things that people say, both good and bad, when we're talking to them? Yeah, so as Bruce knows as well as anyone, um, we hear all types of comments, um, especially on the related to inaction. Um, one of the most common ones that I've heard on my three plus years of sitting in on meetings with Bruce is um, mostly whenever people get this started or whenever they're learning about it or hear about it from a friend. They'll say, man, I wish I would have done this 20 years ago. And Bruce always um, has a good comment to this. Uh, Something Nelson Nash always said was, you know, the best time to plant a tree was 40 years ago. Second best time is today. None of us have time machines, so we can't go back in time. A lot of other things um, that we see are people, you know, they they get very fixated on the illustrations. They see... They put in a set amount of money. They only have so much liquidity. They see the dividends and they get fixated on, you know, how exactly are these getting paid? Um, One thing that um, we also see is um, in in regards to the liquidity is we take full financial pictures. So it is of our opinion that your liquidity won't be an issue, but people have a hard time getting over that fact. It's kind of like a mental hurdle to get over the fact that, you know, you put in 10,000, for example, and you have 6,000 liquid, when in reality, you're never going to need that your whole 100% liquidity. But it's something mentally that um, people get fixated on that kind of holds them back. And um, another Nelson Nash quote that I love as well is, if I think Nelson said this was, um, if you if you understand the details, 
or if you understand the concept, the details don't matter. If you don't understand the concept, then the details don't matter. So in all reality, the details really never matter. And it's more about understanding the concept, knowing what um, this tool is going to allow you to do. Yeah, that's that's really good. And I think the reason the details don't matter is because details continue to change. <clears throat> they continue to change. And what do I mean by that? Well, the dividend rates do not stay the same. The uh, the economy doesn't stay, stay the same. Your personal economy doesn't stay the same. So what you really need is you need a general guideline, a procedure to follow, a way of life that you're going to follow. And so those that way of life from Nelson in his book, he really talked about uh, Parkinson's law, uh, the golden rule, a lot of things about how you live your life. It's not so much about the whole life contract. It's, it's actually that uh, infinite banking is a way of life. It's to take the banking function into your life. And Cole, that's a really good point that the inaction is from people are, are focusing on the details. So let's talk about the tenants again, because I know we talk about these a lot, a lot, but when it comes to whole life, it's funny, a lot of real estate people like the infinite banking concept, but they look at the infinite banking concept as a short-term place just to store the money and then get it out of there and go buy some real estate. However, when they talk about real estate, they actually talk about the long-term advantages of real estate. So the appreciation, the fact that cash flow will increase because rents will increase and yet your, your mortgage will not increase. They talk about the tax benefits that you can have uh, for a long time through depreciation. And so they talk about it long range, but when they get into whole life, they want short-term benefits. So Nelson always says, think long-term. The second thing is, is don't be afraid to capitalize. And I find this to be one of the number one uh, stumbling blocks when people want to apply for a whole life is they're afraid they're going to stretch themselves too far. Like they can't make the premium payment. Um, I always tell a person when they're going through this is you should stretch yourself with the, I'm sorry, you should, you should be comfortable with the base premium and uncomfortable with the entire premium, which includes the PUA. And even when you're uncomfortable, we will not allow you to not be successful because we've seen thousands of these and we know what you can and cannot do. So you're, you're actually joining us because you believe that we can help you figure this out. And this is the most difficult thing. And like Cole's already said, we take a complete financial picture. <clears throat> we talk about future things that will come up for you, whether it's buying a car, uh, people going to college, people going to weddings or having weddings. Um, <clears throat> you want to buy a business. You want to buy real estate. And we also talk about things that flow the other direction. You're starting a business, more income. You're going to get an inheritance in the future. All of these things go into the fact that you're trying to determine what the best amount of money so that you're not afraid to capitalize. And this is the point I've made on the show before, and I want to reiterate this, is that um, when you do a policy that is a 1090 policy, 10% base, 90% PUAs, 
to me, that's telling you, telling me that you're afraid to capitalize. Because what I've heard people, the argument for this is, well, what if a person can't make the entire premium? We want them to make, have the base pulled down as far as possible so that they can easily make the base payment. And that is short-term thinking. It also means that you're probably not working with somebody that has taken a full financial picture. You're probably working with somebody that just gave you an illustration. Every illustration is going to be 1090. And they're not also not talking about the ramifications of having a small base policy. What's interesting is the smaller the base, the smaller the dividend. And one of the techniques you can use if life does throw you a curveball is you can actually have the dividend pay part of the base premium. Well, the fact of the matter is that that dividend is going to be smaller to be able to pay the base premium if it's a small base. So that's something to consider when you're trying to figure out how much you're, you should actually be putting into a policy. Nelson talks about this in his book. <clears throat> he says that you, the goal should be to run all of your uh, income through policies. Now, there's some limitations to that, and I've gone over this. Insurance companies, insurance companies do not allow you to take your cash flow and run it all into, um, for the most part, there are some exceptions into policies. Why? Because contrary to popular belief, they also want you to be successful. So usually the rule of thumb is 25 to 30% of your cash flow. And there is a way to do it is if your net worth was really, really great and you had all you were doing is repositioning assets. In other words, you're sitting on a couple of million dollars and you want to, and your, but your income right now is 250,000, um, then your income, uh, 25% of that would be approximately um, 80,000. <clears> so when you're, uh, I'm sorry, 60,000, I did that math wrong, a little over 60,000. And then, you, so then you're sitting on a couple million dollars and the insurance company will say, oh, now we know you'll be successful if you want to do 100,000 a year because you can also go grab some of the, your assets to pay your part of your premium. So that's why working with an experienced person, we can actually explain that to a, a insurance company to get as much of your income flowing through policies as possible. The next thing that Nelson always says, don't steal the peas. And that simply means you need to have a plan to pay your loans back. <clears throat> and what I tell people all the time is, you know, you should just treat it just like if you borrowed the money from a bank. So when you borrow money from the bank, they're going to tell you what the amortization schedule is. And if banks are making a lot of money on you, then you want to make sure you're making a lot of money on yourself. So start an amortization schedule. Now, you could be doing this for a longer term thing where you're going to get a windfall, whether it's buying a business, buying real estate, um, or you are doing some hard money lending and maybe you're only going to receive the money back in a lump sum as long as you have a, or you're going to get an inheritance in the, in the future. Excuse me. So as long as you have a vision of how it's going to uh, get paid back, that would be great. Uh, the next two things, um, you finance everything. Now, people made this comment to me before you finance everything means you're either paying interest or you're giving up interest. Well, right now you're, we're paying interest for loans 
at a lot greater rate. And the banks have pushed up interest rates a little bit for the savings and checking accounts, but not much. And I looked this up the other day. Uh, there's about $18 trillion sitting in banks. And so the, that's the reason why banks don't pay us very much because they don't have to buy our money. We're storing the money in the bank, even though they're not giving us a lot of return for it. So you're financing it by having to pay higher interest rates when you're borrowing money, whether it's home, car, personal loans, or um, credit cards, and yet you're not making much on it. So you're either paying it or giving it up. Now, the way you're giving it up more nowadays is uh, those interests, the way, I'm sorry, um, not the interest, the interest that you would make if you were keeping the money in the bank, even though it's not that much. And then finally, rethink your thinking. This is the most difficult thing, and this is what we're talking about is applying for whole life. People say, well, they can't rethink their thinking and say, I need to do this, and I haven't done this before. They need to rethink what's going on in their life. They need to take control of their financial life. I, I talk to people, Cole and I talk to people on a weekly basis, and they really said they, they should have done this a long time ago. And then we don't, we don't hear from them again. <laughs> and the reason I think we don't hear from them again is they, they haven't committed to change things in their life because people become co comfortable in their misery because it's, it's more comforting to know what the misery is than to get out of misery. And so there's a lot of inaction as far as that goes. Yeah, Bruce, I would just to add to that, I would say, um, a lot of people don't want to take the time to learn, really learn this, because this is a concept where the, the consumer, the person that's getting the whole life has to understand to a degree of what they're getting into. This isn't like stocks where you can just say, here's my money, invest it, and you don't have to necessarily think about it again. This is something where it's more advantageous for you to, to understand the concept to a degree that you can take advantage of it. Yeah, I don't know. <sighs> I've said this before, a lot of people want to be wealthy, but they don't want to take the time to figure out how to be wealthy and they don't want to take the time to change their habits. And I'm talking about a lot of really good people and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, but we see this in the sensationalism on TikTok and Instagram and Facebook where people say, I'm only 21 and look at my Maserati. And if you tell me how or if you give me uh, $4,000, I'll teach you my trading system. And you can make within two months, you could be making $100,000 a month. Well, I hope, for, I hope for God that people don't real, or they do realize that that doesn't work like that. Uh, wealth is grown for the most part. Yeah, people win the lottery. People <clears throat> do hit a stock that happens to be un unbelievable people hit a crypto mean coin that are it's unbelievable but that is the exception to the rule you can't bank on that i don't think there's anybody listening right now that is banking on winning the lottery or banking on picking one single stock that all of a sudden is going to triple in value in 6 months or picking one mean coin that's going to do maybe 10x in the next 60 minutes 
that's not something that is is a good way of living in your life. So here we got a question coming in. For example, in the past, I have introduced a few people to the book, and up to this date, they have not read the book. If you're making the effort to learn, I don't think you will grasp it. An effort to learn, I do not think you will grasp. So what's interesting is that's our one of our long-term listener Fritz. Fritz, I agree with this 100%. I actually, one of my good buddies of 40 years, we were talking about this concept back in, I think it was 2015. And uh, I'm talking to him and talking to him and he's like, yeah, it makes sense. Okay. Let's talk about it later. And he's just not really that interested. And then, you know, he had the book and he didn't read the book. He didn't read the book. And then he went to his accountant and he saw the book actually on the accountant's desk. And he said, oh, maybe I ought to read that book. And even though he had it for years and years, he finally, he finally read the book. I have, we have people, and it's one of the reasons that we have a, what's called a drip campaign for people that listen and then sign up for our material is that they're going to get information from, the, from us constantly. And one of these days, people are going, something in that information is going to help them and it's going to click. Oh, I understand why this is for me. I had a, um, another client who was listening to Garrett Gunderson. And if you guys, I don't have time to go into who Garrett Gunderson is, but you guys can look him up. Uh, Garrett's been in this space forever and he's a, he's a really good marketing person. And I had been talking to them about this concept, but it wasn't until Garrett Gunnarsson presented it to them in a different way. He calls me up and says, is that, is this what you have been talking about? And I'm like, yes, this is exactly what I've been talking about. So it's a very individual thing, but as Cole said, if you're not willing to learn about something, you, you really don't deserve to get the benefits. But people in, the, in our short-term 10-second real economy, uh, uh, economy they, they think, well, I'm just going to do this and I'm, I don't have to work at it. Infinite banking is a way of life. life. You're taking the banking function into your, into your everyday life and so that's not a one-time thing, get rich. You're actually going to just continue to build and build and build. Any other questions out there on social media? Um, none so far. Okay. So, yeah, everybody that's listening, thanks for listening. And uh, please ask some questions here. We're going to take, we're going to talk a little bit of more, more about the uh, impact of the 10-year treasury. So as I was just talking about the impact of the 10-year treasury, uh, because insurance companies are actually using bonds to actually build their portfolio, um, it just makes logical sense that we have had 10-year treasuries in below 1% for 10 or 12 years. And when that happens, it puts a stress on the insurance companies to get a return because, like I said before, 75 to 85% of their of their um, investments are based upon uh, interest rate driven products, such as bonds and mortgage uh, rate dr driven pro products. And so 
if they're putting stress on low interest rate environments, their dividends that they pay are going to be lower. So now we're going into a higher interest rate environment. Dividends will follow. How do I know that? Because I have charts from several different, I think it was six different insurance companies that showed their dividend histories. And in 2007, when the 10-year treasury was 4.19%, the average dividend was somewhere around 7.9%. Currently, it's somewhere around 6%. Now, let's just think about that because people were like, okay, what's the big deal? Six to to one to 7.9%, that's only 1.9% more. What you what what people say is true, but it's not about the interest rate, it's about the volume of the interest. So if you do that as a percentage of increase, that's actually a 31.7% increase on 6%. 31.7% increase on 6%. So what that means is that your cash value right now will start out at a smaller dividend rate. But if you are not afraid to capitalize and you get in now and interest rates go up, you can throw that illustration out the window. Like I've always said, illustration is only a snapshot in time. But you're throwing this illustration out the window, not because it's bad, because it does not depict what's going to happen into the future. Because logically, it's going to say, if right now we're at 4.05%, and in 2007, we were at 4.19%, very close, and dividends back then were 7.9 on average, and dividends right now are 6% on average, then that will be a 31% increase in the first year. Now, now we're talking, now we can talk about compounding. Because now you get a bigger uh, dividend, increases your cash value. The next year, the dividend is considered a single paid up addition, a single premium paid up addition. So now the next year, not only are you going to get dividends on your base, dividends on your paid up additions, you're going to get dividends on your dividend. So it compounds. So guess what? The next year, then, you're going to get dividends on all your base premium, dividends on all your PUA, and you're going to get dividends on your dividends on your dividends. So this can compound like crazy in the next decade or maybe two decades, because I believe if you look at the 10-year treasury, you don't even have to believe me. You can just look at it. The, the average of the 10-year tre- treasury since the, for the last 60 years has held right around 4.19%. Now, it, it, I think it's going to go higher than that because we just did another increase by the Federal Reserve. They're talking about another one uh, before the end of the year. So any, if you get a illustration right now, it's not going to be accurate. And I've said this for years. It can be accurate in both directions. It could go down, it could go up, but it's not going to be accurate. It's not going to stay the same for the for the life of that of, of you up to age one twenty one. 
it's going to change. It just so happens we're coming out of a low interest rate environment. So if you've been on the fence, whether to start a whole life insurance contract right now, you are at a unique time in history to take advantage of rising interest rate environments. So, Cole, do you have anything I'm reading? I'm going to read a couple of comments on social yeah. media, but anything no, about thought, that? I thought that was great. One thing to add that I uh, love you always, that you always say in meetings is the illustration is just a snapshot in time. And the only guarantee you can make is it won't be exactly as illustrated. Yeah. You don't know if yeah. it's going to go up. You don't know if it's going to go down, but you know for sure that the illustration will not play out exactly to the T of how it's illustrated. Yeah. That's the only guarantee I can make. You know, there's a guaranteed side, obviously. Yeah. And what, what I find, what I find interesting is people are coming to whole life because they want guarantees. That's a, that's a big reason people come to whole, uh, whole life. And yet <clears throat> they also understand the reason they can make these guarantees is these whole life insurance companies have been around for 120 to 200 years. So they know how to make guarantees. However, the same token, they've been around for up to 200 years and they've been paying dividends the entire time, the entire time. Now they don't, they don't claim that they've hit the illustration dividends every time, but they have paid dividends. And yet people say, well, I don't want to even count on the dividends because they're not guaranteed. And I'm like, okay, I understand they're not guaranteed, but you've got to use some historical reference here. I mean, dividends have always been pay paid. Why? Because we have historicals on this that they have been paid. Yes, they're not guaranteed, but they have been paid. I mean, they're, they're as close to, I always say they're not guaranteed, but they're highly probable. How do we know they're highly probable? probable? Because we have 200 years of reference for this. It's the same way when people make an argument about the stock market. They say, well, the stock market historically, yes, it goes down a lot, but historically, depending on which index, you're going to make anywhere between 8 and 10%. That's a different argument in my mind because um, whenever you remove money from the stock market, that money no longer compounds, where if you remove money from a whole life contract in the form of a loan, then that money actually still compounds. Now, you can get a loan against your uh, stock portfolio, but you can only get 50% of it and it's subject to a margin call, so on and so forth. So there are some dangers involved there in that. So now let's talk a little bit about um, that increase in, in cash value can actually bring more sanity uh, to your world because now you're going to have more cash value to do the things that you want to do. But it also will allow you to maybe stretch yourself more as far as premium goes because you know that, uh, logically speaking, your premium is going to be making more money in the future. So if you have a bad year where you can't make your total premium or uh, not as much premium, the dividend is going to be higher that can actually offset it. The PUAs are going to be higher that can offset it. And your cash value is going to be higher if you need to use your cash value to make the premium payments. So 
it's a way that you can actually justify that you you don't want to be afraid to capitalize. Okay, we have another question um, here. I agree with this. It says it's a journey. My policy has lapsed on me two times, and the second time I renewed it, I got back a standard rating. Anything long term ain't easy, but it's worthwhile for you. That's a really really good point. Uh, participating in the profits of the company is a great way to compound your money. Um, See, I do you want to earn interest or pay interest? That is the major question. Is your money beating the inflation beast? Now, I believe that eventually, eventually, this will the sound money will beat rates of inflation that we're going through. It always lags because insurance companies are conservative in nature, so they're not going to move the dividend. I don't know if most insurance companies are going to move the dividends this year, um, but I bet they move them next year. Um, it, uh, interest rates on loans have gone up, and they they actually move the interest on loans faster than they move the dividends because, and it makes sense, when you have interest rates such as mortgage and cars that are higher than interest rates at the insurance company, which they currently are, the insurance company wants to slow down the rate of loans coming out of the insurance company because they want to protect their reserves somewhat. So they need to raise interest rates. This is the free market working. So they're going to raise it until they until they don't get as many loans coming out, and then they will lower it again. And by the way, when you have a mutual company, which you're a part owner of, and they raise the interest rates, that's one of the ways that the, the chief investment officer is actually making money for the insurance company. And if they're making money on the loans, do you as a policyholder benefit from making the money on the loans? Absolutely. So you, yes, you're paying an interest for the loan. Other people are paying interest on the loan, but the insurance company is making that interest. Who is part owner of the insurance company? You are. So you're actually reaping the benefits of those particular loans that the insurance company gets. All right. Uh, another, another comment here. Thanks for all the comments. There are some companies that trigger a loan on your policy if they figure you're not able to pay the premium? Are you able to speak on that? Actually, um, all the companies do that, that I know of, I should say. All the companies do that that I know of. And that is why when you look at your cash value and your loan value or uh, um, the amount you can loan against, they're not the same. So generally what happens with these companies is Within 30 or, or let's just say three weeks to four weeks before your premiums due, they will actually lock up a portion of your cash value that you cannot loan against in anticipating that you're not going to make your premium payment. Now, the money's still there. It's still making money on you, but they're just saying, we're going to actually hold this money in accounting of the fact that if you don't make your premium payment, we have, have this money already to help you make your premium payment so your policy doesn't lapse. 
I, I just recently got this from a client and we try to stay agno uh, agnostic on the show and don't talk about which insurance company is better. And the reason we, we talk about that is they're all good or they wouldn't be in a business for over 120 years. You, you don't stay in business when you're not any good. So they're all good. Some have better features than others for you, but they're all good. This particular person said, I'm not very happy with this insurance company because I made a, I made a premium payment and that premium payment did not adjust his loan of value. So he didn't have more money. So I looked into it for him and this is good uh, for this topic, how to apply for a whole life because you need to know these things. So when you make your premium payment, not only does your bank have to send the money, it doesn't necessarily happen instantaneously, even with a wire. Um, there's a hold period. And so the insurance company generally put a hold to make sure everything clears properly. And so they, even if they anticipate you're going to make your premium payment or they receive your premium payment, they will not release that hold then generally for about another 20 days. Now, if you can prove to them that it has come out of your bank account and you can do that by sending the statement, these are all the little things that I bet a lot of insurance agents don't talk to you about when you're signing up for them. But let's say for some reason you do, you need to make a premium payment, but you would like to borrow against that premium payment that you just made. Well, they're going to they're gonna put a hold on that for about 20 days. If you can prove that it's actually left your bank account, because they have no proof yet, because it's going through the system. And the way you do that is you actually can send them a picture of your bank statement and show the debit coming out of your bank statement. Then they will actually credit and release that portion of the premium for you to, to take a loan from. So this person that I was just talking about, he did not understand that. First of all, he made his payment early. They don't apply the payment until your anniversary date. Why? If you're a whole life person listening to this show for years, you know it's because you can only put a certain amount of money per IRS regulations um, or you'll make the policy, become a modified endowment co uh, contract policy. And now all activity becomes taxable. So what the insurance companies will do is they will take your check beforehand, but they will not credit it to you until your anniversary date. This person had paid weeks in advance and thinking he, they're doing a good job. And they couldn't figure out why their loan value wasn't going up. Well, because they don't apply it until your anniversary date, and then it has to clear after that. Now, you might be saying, now, wait a minute, they've already had it for three weeks. It's proven to be clear. You got to understand that these insurance companies have archaic uh, computer programs, and they, they, they don't override those things in the computer program. So insurance companies are getting better with their computer programs. Uh, but there's still there's still a lot to to be desired on this. And frankly, you know, as a consumer, I'm not that worried about it because I know one company is spending 125 million dollars right now to upgrade their computer programming. Now, 
that $125 million uh, could have been used as profit to pay higher dividends. So, you know, I'd rather have it a little slower and have the dividends be higher personally. But other people are like, no, I'd rather have it so I can get on at 2 a.m. and and see exactly what's going on and so on and so forth. Um, but just know that there's a delay in that. So thank you for talking about that um, the trigger loan on the policy to pay. And that's to prevent a lapse of the policy. They're trying to protect you. They're trying to protect you from yourself. So thanks for that comment. Cole, anything else uh, before we kind of wrap up here? Um, nothing else. I think that just really speaks on the conservative nature of these insurance companies and how safe this financial institution is compared to some others. So I yeah. think you did a good job explaining that. So the last thing I want to do before we wrap up is on this, on this date, um, when we're recording this, um, the Finch rating system, financial rating system came out and downgraded the United States from a triple A rating to a double A plus rating. And they justified this. And I don't understand this totally, but they justified this by saying that we are going into, there's going to be a whole round of new spending coming from the government over the next three years, which they believe is going to, is going to put um, a more deficit on the government. We have repeated gridlock, and you and you you have to be living under a rock over the last ten years to know that Washington has actually been at odds. The two political parties have been at odds with each other, and nothing gets done. And then finally, they said there's upcoming tax cuts, which I don't know what those are because of what I'm looking at it from a financial advisor perspective. I know the 2017 Tax and Jobs Act which cut taxes um, on everybody, not only the rich, but on everybody, is actually set to expire uh, January 1st, 2026. So if Congress doesn't do anything in January 1st, 2026, which is about two and a half years from now, we're actually going to not have tax cuts. We're going to have a tax increase. That's on the books. That's not speculation. So I don't know what these other tax cuts are that they're talking about. But Finch dropped the rating of the, of the United States. However, that rate, that double A plus rating is still good. But the stock market is taking a hit right now. And people are getting jittery about this. Well, I would say once again, it's a great time to get into whole life insurance. Because if, there, if the economy, according to Finch, is going to be up and down, GDP growth is going to be affected by... Um, the rising interest rates, by political unrest, by global economic unrest, then putting your money somewhere in a store that has stood the test of time, how whole life has through the Great Depression, the Great Recession, all these other economic problems, then that would that should be a good place to store your money. So I think we're we're good with all the comments today. Thank you for participating. And just remember, success leaves clues. So model the successful few and not the crowd and build the life and business that you love. Until next time, thanks and goodbye. 
Discover the secret of how to earn a return on the same money in two places at the same time so that you can strengthen your investment returns. We've created a free guide for you that explains the top three things every investor needs their privatized banking system to do. Go to themoneyadvantage.com slash banking, put in your name and primary email address, click the send my free guide button right now, and we'll see you on the inside. Thank you for listening to the Money Advantage podcast. Today's show notes and resources are available for you on themoneyadvantage.com. If you like this episode, make sure you subscribe and leave a review. If you have any questions or desire to speak with a qualified financial professional after listening to today's podcast, we encourage you to reach out to us at hello at themoneyadvantage.com or check us out at themoneyadvantage.com. The opinions and views expressed here are for informational purposes only. This material is educational in nature and should not be deemed as a solicitation of any specific product or service. All investments involve risk and a potential loss of principal. Kalos Capital Incorporated nor Kalos Management Incorporated offer tax or legal advice. Please consult with a tax advisor or attorney for advice regarding the impact on your portfolio. Securities offered through Kalos Capital Incorporated Member FINRA, SIPC, MSRB, and Investment Advisory Services offered through Kalos Management Incorporated and Registered Investment Advisor, both located at 11525 Parkwood Circle, Alpharetta, Georgia. E3 Consultants Group is not an affiliate or subsidiary of Kalos Capital Incorporated or Kalos Management Incorporated.